Hi, everyone. This is Donna Anderson, author of LoveFraud.com and host of the True Love Fraud Stories podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the possibility of finding meaning and growth in the experience of a neglectful or abusive relationship. I asked my good friend, Dr. Denise McDermott, who is an adult and child psychiatrist, to listen to our most recent episode of True Love Fraud Stories. This is the story of Leslie Plummer of England, called Seeking Meaning in 35 Years with a Sociopath. Leslie realized, late in life, that she'd been married to a man who may have been disordered. She also realized that maybe her experience had a larger purpose. Dr. Denise McDermott has been in private practice since 2001 and has more than 40,000 hours of clinical expertise. She is passionate about bridging science, spirituality, and mental wellness and hosts her own award-winning podcast, The Dr. Denise Show. Here's our conversation. So, Dr. Denise, it's so good to speak to you again. Now, um, Leslie was born in 1939, and she was married to her husband from 1963 through 1998. So that was quite a while ago. And it seems to me that there was little awareness of sociopaths and sociopathic behavior at that time. Would you agree with that? Yes. And I just want to say the, I want to, what came to mind is the term that I, I kind of just adapted called generational overlay. So when we're looking at any relationship history and we have to remember we're in this moment of now, you know, we're in 2023 at the end of it going into 2024. If we want to travel back in time to any decade and era what the what I call the pulse of consciousness, cultural values, moral values. You have to also look at the region of the country. So I think with Leslie's unique story, the time she was born, the time she was married, there's definitely going to be a generational overlay also of what gender roles are, what power mm. exchange is, what is a good wife? How do you serve? So I want to just have everyone think about that before we even jump to the word sociopath. Because to me, there were different gender roles, different gender expectations. And I was born in 1970. And I know from people that are generations 30, 40, 50 years older, because I'm blessed to have friends of all ages, that there were different opportunities for women then. There were different, you're being a good wife if you just listen there's different. So, so it's a really, you know, I know this is a unique story to Leslie, but I want to invite everyone to think about what it was like for the gender roles and then see how you might get bamboozled or not realize that there wasn't a reciprocal interaction of love, care, attention, and truly having a healthy relationship. So I think the answer would be absolutely there was not the data and the awareness on sociopaths, but absolutely it was a different time with gender roles. So I think it would be a much longer period of time that someone could be even aware that there's this kind of behavior and 
possible sociopathy going on in any relationship in that generational time period. Right. Uh, I totally agree. It, it was certainly a different time. So as she was living it, Leslie never reacted to her husband's bad behavior, and she herself didn't know why. So maybe this ties into what you just said, but how would you explain the fact that she never argued, never shouted at him, and never told anyone else how she was being treated? Well, I I have not met Leslie. I did write when I listened to the interview, I wrote her own words were lack of reaction. Why did I accept it? She's still at this point questioning. So for me personally, anyone that puts up with a period of emotional neglect, lack of reciprocal relationships, what I would want to do is have an interview with Leslie and find out more about what her upbringing was. What were the languages of love in her family household? Was there any family trauma? What was her unique neurostyle? Was she shy? Was she timid? How much did she have her own unique level of self-love? I think when you say, how could this have happened? Or how could have I let this happen? This is a broad answer for the whole audience. If there's a time that you put up with any type of lack of respect in a relationship, you really have to go back and not blame yourself, but mm -hmm. ask yourself with the highest level of love, do I love myself? How do I want to be treated? What kind of relationship do I want to be in? What kind of acts of kindness, acts of service, words of praise? What kind of family system do I want? So I'm wondering, because Leslie mentioned that she had very limited romantic relationships, I feel like there, there's also different generational overlays, uh, depending on your worldview on how you share your body, how you have sex. I think there's different times in history where people don't have any sexual relations, even before they get married, there's not a lot of dating. And also depending on how old you are, when you get married, do you really have the experience to know what you would want, how you would want to be loved? So for me personally, as a doctor, and I can't weigh in on, I can only weigh in on the, the interview that I listened to, but I will just repeat again. She said, almost in disbelief, I had a lack of reaction. And why did I accept it? And for me, I would want to go deeper into all the things I just mentioned, her own childhood, her own love languages. And I think there was a lack of experience and a lack of awareness of what does a healthy marriage look like to me? Because I also think there wasn't social media. There wasn't all this stuff. We're in such a different time period. There was no access to those types of thoughts. Sometimes it was just getting through the day. Like, how do we just get through the day with our tasks of preparing a good meal, preparing a good home? and just procreating. It wasn't about all the self-actualization at that time. Absolutely. And, and I think I, I, we hear about, I mean, she was in England and, and you hear about the British, you know, stiff upper lip and carry on. And, and that was probably the cultural that uh, milieu that she lived in was, was, that's what you did. Well, I'm very fortunate to have a real life experience of being married to a British man. By the way, he was a lovely soul but I learned a lot because his mother was from a, this more, she would be gosh, like in her nineties now. And what you just said about the stiff upper lip, you know, my beloved uh, mother-in-law, Teresa, that's in heaven really was one of 12 kids, very hardworking, very arduous. 
when she would come to visit, she would have, you know, she want to help me like organize my cupboard, a real act of duty of just getting stuff done. So, and also I'm from the Midwest. So that stiff upper lip and and I would invite everyone, no matter what part of the country you're in listening to this, think about your own cultural awareness of gender roles as well. So I agree with you. So then after the age of 60, when Leslie got divorced, she did realize that her husband was disordered and that she had been abused for 35 years. So how can learning the truth change a a person's perspective even late in life? Well, I think the way I view the universe is we're here as human beings and that time is timeless. So when I hear later in life, whether we're 60, whether we're 30, whether we're 80, there's it's never too late to have a greater awareness, your own unique, greater self-love. And then you can go into your own new awareness. How would have I wanted to be treated? And for all of us, I talk about there's moments of crisis, stabilization, and thrive. And so I believe that we're here in human form, but I believe that energy and the soul lives forever. So any opportunity to do the deeper work, the deeper self-reflection, the life review, when we go into our own suffering and we realize and look at it with non-judgment, every feeling state has energy. And for Leslie, it was an opportunity to go into her own greater, what I call I am awareness, greater self-love, and then look at how she can treat herself and know she went on such a spiritual journey. I think she realizes with her own awakening or re-remembering who we really are, that the more she does this healing and the more she does the self-love, what I call, I've done a show called the self-love tour, then that has a ripple effect for all the generations. So I think at age 60, you know, I think that's the old paradigm. Like, I think we're living at a time where age is just a number, time is timeless, but she's really embracing it or has embraced it. And she went on her own journey and she realizes there were some really eloquent points that she made, but I want to make sure I just answer this question, but she's so like alchemized her own suffering and use the energy of that to level up, to ascend. And her hope is by sharing her story that it's going to help other people and also to help her granddaughter. And I also have lots to say about her sons too, but I just want to make sure I'm answering your questions. Okay. What are the observations you want to make about the sons and the granddaughter? Well, I want to broaden this out and invite the audience to think about any trauma If you've been in a relationship that's emotional, neglectful, sociopathy, and you have any children, and then they're in an environment, my understanding from the interview with Leslie is that Gary showed no emotional attachment, did not give praise to the children, critiqued them, did not wish her happy Mother's Day and said, you're not my mother. The boys after the divorce were very much, she became the black sheep, like she ruined the family. And there was years and years and years from what she said, of course, we don't have Gary's perception because he's no longer on earth. But from what Leslie said, the children, her sons were in an environment that it was modeled that there was neglect, a lack of emotional connection. So my thought in what she said when she was having this discussion 
should I reveal my name? Is it really the truth? Is it this, but, you know, and you pointed out that, well, the sons are already treating you um, this way. She's sort of doing self-reflection on if their mindset is that she ruined the family and they're being what she said is unkind to her, or they're not, they're maybe emotionally neglectful. I don't know. She didn't give specific examples, but my thought is when you tell your story, all of us at any, what I call moments of now, when you do your own deep awareness, your own self-love, you, and you have your unique perception. I talk about neurostyle that we all process and perceive things. When I think about the, her son's perceptions, if we were to travel back in time, they might have associated being loved with being neglected, or mm. it's just a tough thing. So if you go back in time and you've been in a relationship, and I know from being an adult and child integrative psychiatrist and people suffering all different types of abuse, whether it's emotional, neglect, sexual abuse, sometimes you just equivocate that with love. And usually, you know, kids want to love their parents. So even if your one of your parents is a sociopath, you could still love that person and still not know that they're emotional and neglect. They they're at their own unique. I am awareness of maybe not even knowing that that was a neglectful childhood or not even knowing that their mom wasn't treated with love. And then you think then their generation has kids and now there's a granddaughter attracting a similar pattern. So when we go into our own, I am awareness, we go into our own look at the relationships we're attracting it can create a ripple effect of love to past, present, and future generations. By the way, I perceive the universe. And I think now that Leslie's gone on her own, very ascended, very evolved way, she understands what I call the earth game. I talk in terms of the earth game versus the universe game. Mm. She was in the earth game back when she was married during those times periods. Now that she has an awareness of energy, the soul, law of attraction, everything, her own masters, her own teacher. She has a humbled awareness that if she tells her story, she speaks her truth. She has her authenticity, whether or not anyone in the family perceives it the same way, she honored her unique perception and she knows it will carry a ripple effect for all. Fabulous. So how does someone who is able to integrate such a dramatic shift in perspective, how can it affect, affect a person's life going forward? Well, I think with a big smile on my face, I think the minute we all realize that the only moment we have is right now. And if we've alchemized suffering, trauma, neglect, fraud, we can feel like all the moments of greater inner peace are like what I call universe lottery moments. <laughs> You're like, woohoo, no one's stealing from me. Woohoo, I'm attracting great relationships. Woohoo, I, I have a concept I call in, in, in integrity. Whoa, I'm in integrity of my awareness, my self love. And who am I attracting? So I think when you alchemize a trauma, it gives you the chance to create a greater quantum field of love. And you appreciate the peaceful moments, the kind moments, and you also have boundaries and you have um, a roadmap to not be bamboozled by a sociopath situation. Your, your spidey sense radar of sociopathy or red flags or pink flags. I have different levels of flags. <laughs> um, you're like, no, 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 no. That's not going <laughs> to happen to me again. 
So you just, I think, have the opportunity to enjoy your life more and have more peace. Right. So Viktor Frankl, who, of course, is the Viennese uh, psychiatrist who survived World War II concentration camps, camps um, he talks about the importance of finding meaning in experience, even in severe suffering. So how can people find meaning in the experience of an abusive relationship? Well, that is an interesting question because it sort of piggybacks off of what I just said. Mm -hmm. Every moment that we breathe is a gift and every experience we have carries an emotional charge. And once we realize that emotions carry a charge, what my understanding of the universe is that they're creative opportunities for change. So the more the energy, and I'm not saying I wish suffering upon anyone, but part of being human is being allowed. My understanding is that being human and being born into the human, what I call the human costume energetically is a gift to experience a myriad of feelings. So to me, any opportunity to keep going, to keep having another day, taking another breath, allowing yourself to have the feeling experience. Don't bury the feeling. If you've had trauma, rape, anger, allow the feeling. So it doesn't store in your material human DNA that could cause illness and sickness. If you realize that it's okay to have every feeling and have a place of non-judgment, you can learn how to use the feeling states as what I call rocket fuel for ascension. Mm. So any, any experience we have and the way I understand the quantum universe is that we have our linear and non-linear, our material and our immaterial, and then we have energy and then we can create our own consciousness. So the more we play in our own life and are, are realize that we have control over how we respond in that moment of now, the more we can attract more of the love, more of the alchemy and more of the healing states. So Leslie said that she joined a pilgrimage to India simply because she wanted to return to the area where she grew up and this led to miracles. So what in your view is a miracle? Miracles are personal. Miracles to me are when you have your own unique I am awareness, your own appreciation for your own sensory perception. And it's interesting when I heard that she returned to India and the way I understand in this current earth lifetime of hers, India was a geographical place, but it makes me wonder on a deeper level. Cause I, the way I understand the universe is that the soul lives forever. Energy lives forever. And that we have past lives. You know, everyone can look at Dolores Cannon's body of work. I would love to have Leslie specifically go under a past life regression to see if she has a greater connection to India than she's even aware of now. So only she knows the miracle feeling she has when she's there. And I want to broaden this out to everyone to think about geographical locations, um, experiences that make you feel the magic of your own deeper awareness and your own deeper self-love. To me, that is the miracle. Hmm. So when she went to India, uh, Leslie described seeing an aura around the spiritual teacher so can you explain what an aura is and how she could have seen it? 
Well, I'm not, I, I really want to be respectful that I'm an adult and child integrative psychiatrist. And I would say at this point, I practice universe medicine, but I am Western medicine trained and I like to have scientific uh, inquisition. So I want to take the word aura and just talk about energy. And I want to talk about sensory perception. And I want to bring it back to my registered trademark and my own honoring of my academics of embracing your neuro style and beyond that we all process and perceive things in our own unique way. Fabulous five, biological, psychological, social, cultural, spiritual, and six sense intuition. So when we talk about Leslie's specific sensory awareness or sensory perception of an aura, one would want to say, what did she see? What did she feel? Was it an energy state? Was it a feeling state? Did she get lightning bolt chills? Did she see light? I can tell you, I have met an individual where I could see white emanating from them. And as I got to know them, their heart energy was so pure, so full of love. And that was my unique sensory awareness. Now to me, I would want to have 200 people that define what is an aura? What does that mean to you? And then get an aura researcher. But to me, it sounds like Leslie was having this inner knowing, inner Mm. feeling and inner trust of her own intuition and her own sensory perception that this was a very elevated individual by the way she experienced their energy. So what are your views on any spiritual dimensions that might be present of being involved with a sociopath? Well, if we want to make it really simple, the universe to me is fueled on love. But we need to have, in order to keep creating, there's different feeling states. So when you look at the energy it takes to be in any relationship, I know that Leslie mentioned that her now universe view is that before you come into this earth lifetime, you sort of plan out what you want to experience. So in the moment of your lack of awareness, usually when you're experiencing, and this can happen to even people have the experience of understanding the universe. When you're in a relationship that's emotionally neglectful, when you're in a relationship that you're being bamboozled, everything's energy. And so I think that any person that's interacting with a sociopath, it it allows you to grow later, but you don't necessarily know it in the real time. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like she, with her now awareness of the universe, has an appreciation of the possibility But she and Gary planned this out. So in a way, our alleged uh, sociopath is our biggest teacher in our lifetime, even if at the time where it feels horrific, you feel like you're either drowning, dying, you can't believe it, you're mad at yourself. But once you get to the other side of it, and you alchemize your trauma, your sociopath, sociopath situation, in a greater awareness and self love, you can have an appreciation for the energy of it but you still don't want to wish anyone to go through it. And you, you, the way I understand the universe is there's light energy and dark energy. There's good and there's evil. And every human being in many different lifetimes has possibly played different roles. So you have to look at your own unique sensory perception, your own unique lifetime, and look at what you possibly asked to experience and played a role in your own sociopathy uh, setting scene. I don't know however anyone wants to call it. By the way, I'm not trying to ever minimize anyone that's listening to this 
that has not had this level of awareness about the universe yet, you're exactly where you need to be. You need to surround yourself with good spiritual leaders, get professional help, go deeper in your self-love and not ever think that feeling awful or being betrayed is okay. You need to just keep going deeper in your own healing. So yes, I absolutely agree. And um, Leslie now has found a degree of peace even after 35 years of abuse. So what do you think we can all learn from her story? I think she's brave. I think being human is being brave. I think realizing that all of our stories matter and she matters, her sons matter, Gary matters, her grandkids matter, that no matter what phase you're at in your story of alchemizing a trauma or sociopathy, what I love about um, Leslie is I feel like she's really reaching a greater level of her own self-love and that I have a phrase, I did a show called not having it. So I think she's at the not having it phase. Like she doesn't want anyone to treat her with disrespect. She really wants to look at her own patterns. And then she's hoping that this will help generations to come. If I don't know if her granddaughter will ever listen to the show or even if they'll believe her. But I think her story is very powerful. It's unique. It's hers. And we all have a story and they're all important. Great. So Is there anything else you'd like to comment on as far as the story is concerned? It's really about, I want to say thank you to Leslie for sharing her story and thank you to you and your team and the way you're building the data and having people invite the audience to think about their own story and the way they can reach their highest level of self-love. That's what I'd want to say. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Denise. This has been fabulous. Thank you. I'm Donna Anderson, and this is True Love Fraud Stories. I hoped you enjoyed this interview with Dr. Denise McDermott. To learn more about her, please visit drdenisemd.com. And if you'd like to hear more of her insights and wisdom, listen to The Dr. Denise Show, available wherever you listen to podcasts. True Love Fraud Stories is produced by lovefraud.com. I'm the author of lovefraud.com. Engineering is by Terry Kelly. To learn how to recognize and recover from everyday sociopaths, visit lovefraud.com. And for more information about this story, other great stories, or if you'd like to share your story, visit podcasts.lovefraud.com. Dot com.